0: you are listening to the calvary church podcast where each episode features a life transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services and now let's join a service that's already in progress
1: you into the house of the Lord. I'll invite you to stand with me as we gather. I want to remind you that this Sunday is our life group launch. Very excited about this new opportunity for us to connect with one another. And so please, um, be thinking about that. Let your heart be open to join a group or two, um, and really commit to those groups and those individuals and, uh, We bear one another's burdens um, through these opportunities and fulfill the law of Christ and that is uh, part of our intention in our heart is that you would feel connected to the body of Christ because it is so very important I want to remind you that we have a special guest with us uh, this weekend Debbie Size is an extraordinary woman of God whom you will enjoy very very much she's one of my favorite people on the planet she reminds me of the bishop's wife and just her personality and presence and the unique ways the Lord has used her. She has led the singles ministry of the United Pentecostal Church International for many years um, and uh, continues to be a very sought-after speaker at ladies' conferences and things like that. And so she is going to be a special guest of Purpose Institute on Friday night. And so you don't have to be a student to attend Um, But she's going to speak on the topic of leadership, and I know that if you make your way there on Friday night, it will definitely be worth your while. And then she is going to preach to us on Sunday morning, and I am just so excited for you to meet her and experience her great ministry. I want to go to the Lord with you uh, in prayer tonight, continuing to uh, lift up Sister Diana Reed, and chemo is over. Praise be to Jesus. And thanks to all of you who have helped, yes, pray her through that process. Amen. And so I just want you to continue to be aware of their family and the uh, unique season that they are in. Um, There are other families in our church who are going through different things. And so just let the Lord use you to strengthen them, encourage them in whatever way. That you feel led, but just want to give you an opportunity if you have an unspoken need and you want to acknowledge that by raising your hand. I want to just invite you to go ahead and do that. The Lord knows, it's just a symbol of our confidence in Him. Paul told the church at Philippi, We have confidence that He who has begun a good work will finish it, and that's why we can come to the Lord in prayer. With that confidence. And so I would just ask you to uh, remember these needs with me as we pray and ask the Lord to cover our time in His Word in this weekend at Calvary. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house with your people and hear your Word. God, we can thank you because we know that everything that we need is at your disposal, that you are not just a resource to us, but you are the source of everything that we need. We pray your blessing and covering on the Reed family continuously. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your strength. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to minister to their needs. Bless them through this church, God, every other family, Lord, that is going through a season of suffering, Lord, and testing, that they would feel the strength of your church lifting them up aware of their needs as you would lead us, God, to be sensitive to what is going on around us. Lord, we pray your covering on this time in your word that it would be ministered, Lord, in truth and in grace, Lord, and that you would heal us through what you would share. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and greet somebody. Give them a high five. I don't know. Blow them a kiss. Rock, paper, scissors is kind of a thing around here right now. Topic of conversation. And yeah, all right. So tonight is lesson eight in our Names of God series, and we are coming to a conclusion. Next week, Lord willing, will be our last installment of what has turned out to be one of the longest series that we have done Uh, in recent memory in Growth University, but I can assure you that we have not even scratched the surface of this topic in the scripture. There are many, many names of God, and so if you feel uh, just drawn to the subject, I encourage you, go ahead and keep digging at it on your own. I know the Lord can lead you to what he knows you need in his word. Amen. I have my Bible open tonight. I always do. Even though I don't necessarily read from this book, I read a copy and pasted version of it in my notes. But I am accountable to you that I am teaching from the Word of God. And I just want you to know that I'm very intentional. I've seen a lot of speakers, a lot of preachers who don't open a Bible, and it makes me wonder sometimes what text they're teaching from. But this pulpit is committed to teaching the Holy Word of God. To the best of our ability. And I want you to know that that is our commitment to you. Amen. So for the sake of clarity and repetition. I want to share with you by way of a slide. All of the names that we have worked through thus far. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? Just love that. That font. The foundational names of God. Elohim. Creator. Jehovah. A personable God, Adonai, the one who rules. Sister Julie covered Abba, Father, not just our father, but my father. And then Jehovah, the compound names of God. Jirah, our provider. Jehovah uh, Sava, the Lord, our warrior. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Nisi, the Lord, our banner. Rohi, the Lord, our shepherd. Uh, Jehovah Mekodeshkim, the Lord who sanctifies. Tell Pastor Tom I got it right. <laughs> I did it better too. You can tell him that. But I saw him throw some shade my way, and that's fine. Uh, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer, and Jehovah Sedeq, the Lord our righteousness. And so every week, every lesson, we have seen God reveal himself to his people in times of need and in times of personal difficulty. And through this, we have understood that for every need that the people of God will ever have, God has a name that meets and addresses that needs. Because God is and God wants to be everything that we will ever have need him to be. And so through these names and the study of their meanings and original context, we have seen him make clear to us that he is not just able, but he is available to us. That we can cry out to the Lord. His name is a strong tower that the righteous can run into. His name is our Banner. It will cover us. It will keep us and go ahead of us. That God is not just the supreme being or the creator, but He is the God who can be and wants to be known by us. Amen. He wants to be our peace. Can I get an amen? Amen. He wants to be our shepherd. He wants to be your provider, your ruler your healer your righteousness your personal warrior the one who sanctifies you and sets you apart for his unique purpose for your life and so tonight we continue with two of the l names of god el elyon and el shaddai and so to begin with these two l names I want us to look at the Hebrew name, the Hebrew word rather, El, means mighty one, strength, power. I have a slide for you. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia defines the word El as the most common word for deity in the Semitic languages. It is found often in the Old Testament, most often. In the books of Job and Psalms. And it is frequently combined with nouns and adjectives to express the divine name with reference to particular attributes or phases of his being. And so that simply means that just as we have seen Jehovah or Yahweh used before another word to create a compound name for God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi we see this word El used in the same way. Jehovah blank, meaning the Lord is. And then in this case, El blank, meaning God is. And so I want to quickly remind us of the cultural context that is so important to consider when studying these names for God in the scripture that in ancient times, names were given very intentionally. To name someone was to speak meaning and significance over their life from birth. Names specifically for the people of God were chosen prophetically. We do not have that same approach in our modern time. But a good example of this in the Bible is in the life of Joseph, whom Pastor T has done an incredible series on Sunday mornings. If you've missed one or you haven't been a part, I encourage you to please go back and listen to those messages. They have been just really amazing. But Joseph named his sons very intentionally. His first son he named Manasseh, which means forgotten troubles joseph says the lord has caused me to forget and we have been reminded in recent weeks there was a lot that joseph probably wanted to forget he wanted to put behind him and move on and so he named his son accordingly and then his second son ephraim means twice fruitful and to him joseph would say the lord has made me fruitful In the land of my affliction. And so this culture of naming for significance was good news for some and bad news for other people in the Bible. Good news for people like Elijah whose name means Yahweh is my God. That is a great name to have, right? Isaiah means the salvation of God. You probably know this one. Judah means praise Hannah rightfully named little Samuel, God has heard. But there's a downside to all of this naming business as well. Poor Esau's name means hairy. Yikes. Not the best start in life. And because his twin brother Jacob grabbed his heel during birth, he was named surplanter, one who seizes or overreaches Jacob Bond. So sorry about that. (laughs) But this is why God changed Jacob's name to Israel, which means prince. Probably one of the most unfortunate namings in the Bible is when a baby is born to the daughter-in-law of Eli the priest in 1 Samuel 4. She goes into labor at a very tragic time in Israel's history. And she's just gotten the news that the ark of God has been taken in battle and that her husband and her father and I, Eli, are dead. And she names the son born not long after all of these things happen, Ichabod, which means the glory of the Lord has departed, meaning we're doomed. That's an unfortunate name. Have you ever thought that when you've heard the name of a new baby oh man yikes (laughs) whatever you do don't say it out loud but i know you've thought it as have i what are you thinking okay oh my what does this mean what were your parents thinking your parents must hate you wow I saw a semi truck the other day coming to the church for a company with the name Bob Evans, but it wasn't the farm or the sausage. It was like a landscaping company and I thought, how unfortunate is it <laughs> that your last name is Evans and your parents named you Bob? Like there's there's no way out of that. There's no way around that except to say that's not me. I'm not that guy. That's not my family certain names have strong associations with brands and products and people. Names can create strong impressions. God knows that, and so did his people in ancient times. And so we look at El Elyon tonight, and we find this name for God in the context of an epic battle between not one, not two, but nine kings it was four against five the evil king of elam was power hungry and with the help of three others he conquered five other kings through their collected efforts two of which ruled sodom and Gomorrah. and this is significant for us tonight because lot who was abraham's nephew lived in sodom to be clear this is before god destroyed it okay So I'm going to read uh, for you in the New Living Translation, Genesis 14, for the sake of understanding. Beginning with verse 11, the victorious invaders then plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and headed for home, taking with them all the spoils of war and the food supplies. And they also captured Lot. This is very important. Abram's nephew who lived in Sodom and carried off everything he owned. And when Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized the 318 trained men who had been born into his household. And he pursued that guy's army until he caught up with them at Dan. And then he divided his men and attacked during the night, and the army fled. But Abram chased them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. And Abram recovered all the goods that had been taken. Go, Abram. And he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and other captives. After Abram returned from his victory over his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shavah. That is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem and a priest of God most high, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram. By God most high El Elyon, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high El Elyon, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods that he had covered. Now let's be honest, this story here in Genesis 14 is just ugly. This war is senseless, it's about ego. It's about conquering other people. There was nothing that really triggered one king against the other. But it was just a struggle for power between these kingdoms. And it leads to a battle where kings are fighting for their country, for their countrymen, and for their very lives. And so those on the losing side, as was custom, were taken captive. And so was all of their stuff. Their possessions were taken as well. And so Lot is one of those taken prisoner. And when Uncle Abram finds out, it's game on. Don't mess with Father Abram's family. Blood is thicker than water, they say. I'm sure you've experienced that in one way or another. And I find this fascinating reality in families. Families can destroy one another verbally, emotionally, in every way possible, and it's okay. It's just how we do things. We love hard, we fight hard. I've heard that a lot. But God help the outsider who messes with the same family members because then, like Abram, it's game on. Right? Maybe it's because I'm from an all-girl family and we were constantly at war that I'm very sensitive to this reality of the human existence. I remember one time, um, I think we would would have been dating, Tom said, did you and your sisters ever fight? And I said, "Ah, you have no idea. Knock down, drag outs, pull each other's hair out, roll on the ground like cats. I mean, just lost it had one sister one sister who was always in the middle hint hint of every conflict somehow she was involved usually she initiated it but if anybody picked on any of us God help you for her wrath was yours to realize I think it's interesting that we don't see Abram involved till someone messes with his nephew Lot and it won't be the last time that Abram intercedes for Lot for he stood between God and Lot when God said I'm done with Sodom and Gomorrah and he held back heaven's blowtorch long enough for Lot and his family to get out in time And so Abram rallies his household, which is a small army, a little over 300 people, and takes care of business. And verse 16 of Genesis 14 tells us very plainly that Abram recovered all the things and all the people that the bad guys had taken from his nephew. And so in study today, I felt compelled to help us make the connection that Abraham was not just a friend of God, but he was faithful to his family. And I think that sets a very important, very clear example for us as believers. I believe there's a connection with those two realities, that we should love our families. We should be committed to them to the best of our ability. We should step in and care for them whenever we are able, if we know that they're in trouble. It's not just... The church's responsibility it shouldn't be just the people around them to rally around their family but we see abram drop everything and lot and his safety became his personal priority and for us it should not just be defending our families in the natural but we should even more so defend them in the spirit realm i hope your family comes to you for prayer I hope they have confidence in your prayer life. I hope they know that your prayers can make a difference in their lives, whether they believe in God or not. I hope our families look to us in this way. For some of us, the enemy has taken captive our families. Through situations, through addictions, some have even left the faith. And we need to follow faithful Abram's example here and go after them and bring them back. I believe that's part of the work that God is going to do in the last days. I believe it very specifically here for the Calvary Church. And so we will not stop praying. We will not stop calling the names of our loved ones before a God who will always love them and died to make them free. And so if he is ready and willing to receive them, then we must be also. Amen. Amen. And so as the defeated kings were released, the king of Sodom met Abram in what is called the King's Valley, and Melchizedek, the king of Salem, is with him. Sidebar here, most commentators believe that this city of Salem that is referred to here in Genesis 14 is actually the city of Jerusalem. Which is just very interesting in the context of this story. And Melchizedek blesses Abraham and says, Blessed be Abraham by El Elyon. Blessed be God, El Elyon, who has defeated your enemies for you. In the context of what had just happened, this revelation of god is especially powerful hear me now here we had nine kings at battle four against five they face off in a struggle for power and dominion here on earth but god's man enters the arena and recovers all that his family has lost with just a few hundred men Melchizedek rightly acknowledges, Abram, you had help in all of that. It wasn't because you were so devoted to your family, although you certainly were. It wasn't because those 318 men were especially skilled, although the Bible tells us they were trained. Melchizedek rightly acknowledges the Most High God has given you that victory, Abram. In other words, it doesn't matter who those other kings were or how many kings were involved that day. When El Elyon steps in, everything changes because he is the most high God. He has no equal and he has no opposite. He is the greatest. He is the highest All power in heaven and in earth belongs to the God that you and I serve tonight. Isaiah put it this way, I am the Lord that is my name. In my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Isaiah 46, verse 9, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times. The things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. I like the way the NLT puts it. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens, is what the Lord is saying. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Mic drop. I'm the most high God. I don't answer to anybody. I'm the only one that really knows what's going on, because I have the final say. Melchizedek makes a powerful observation in Genesis 14, 20. God has defeated your enemies for you, Abram. The reality was that nothing about the situation that day was in Abram or Lot's favor. Yet God used a few hundred men to chase down an army For hundreds of miles if you do the research they actually pursued the enemy for about 240 miles to go after what had been taken from lot this is the revelation and the hope that we can receive in the name el elion that it doesn't matter what the odds are whether they be bad or whether they be good God will always be the one that is in control. Zechariah put it this way to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. This has been our theme verse in Bible quizzing for about 40 years, but it is true in every arena of life. That it doesn't matter how much talent or how little talent I have. It doesn't matter what opportunities I have been given or what opportunities I do not have. It doesn't matter what my personal strengths are or what they are not. That at the end of the day, it is God who comes through for me. Because he is the most high. And whether the odds are in my favor or whether they are not, he is El Elyon, the Most High God. And I serve him, which means he's the one that's in control of my life. Amen. 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 God is not just a resource to me. He is the source of everything that I need. And that is where we get confused. We treat God as if he is just a resource on our short list of things that we turn to when we're in trouble. When really everything that Abraham used and had going for him in that scenario, God was the ultimate source. And that's what Melchizedek wanted him to be sure of. And I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight that God wants to assure all of us that the same is true. Whatever your situation may look like, it is probably not five kings versus four kings in a valley duking it out for power and dominion. But there are powers a work in your life. There are spiritual wickedness in high places, Paul said. I was talking to the junior quizzers tonight about the book of Ephesians that they're learning. And it's very hard to learn Ephesians because Paul wrote it. And he wrote it in King James English. Oh, God. These precious children are memorizing verses you and I can barely say out loud. And they're quoting them to me. And so we looked at who are these people that Paul is writing to. The people in Ephesus were very superstitious. They had come from pagan, evil religions. And so they were afraid of everything. Because they had this awareness of spiritual realms. And Paul tells them over and over again in the book of Ephesians, you sit with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. You have the armor of God. You have everything you need. You and I are in a spiritual battle with El Elyon, the most high God, the Lord, our warrior, going to bat for us. And so the odds don't matter. The facts don't. Matter When God is in control Amen Amen. And then finally El Shaddai This name is mentioned seven times in the Old Testament And the name Shaddai or Almighty, sufficient Is mentioned another 41 times And if you're an 80's kid like me You grew up listening to Amy Grant And you hear the song as I do very clearly in my head But I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to do it. Carmen. Carmen, yes, absolutely. El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty. And here again, we find ourselves looking at the life of Abraham. I think it is so amazing to realize that the Bible calls Abraham the friend of God. And we have seen Abraham learn most of these names. That we have studied for himself, which speaks to his continual relationship, personal relationship with God, where God continues to reveal himself to him. And so quickly in Genesis 17, like God has done many times before, he reveals his name, this new name, El Shaddai, to Abraham in the context of a covenant, an agreement, a contract between he and Abram that God had made with him 24 years ago when Abram was a young 75. (laughs) And now in Genesis 17, the Bible lets us know Abram is now 99 and still not a parent. And so the Lord appeared to Abram, verse 1 says, and said to him, I am the almighty God, El Shaddai. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. But he's not a dad yet. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee sidebar. God changes Abraham's name in the context of a covenant. But more on that next week. Verse 6, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful. I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. I want to read you a quote from Dr. Evans because I think it is especially powerful. That God's covenant, he says, always involve blessing. Please hear this. A blessing is God's favor to you and through you. To others to bring him the glory. A blessing, please hear me in Jesus' name. A blessing is never only what God does to you. A blessing is what God does to you so that it might flow through you to others. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that what God just told Abraham in Genesis 17? I will bless you. I will fulfill my promise even though you've been waiting for 24 years. I am the Lord Almighty. I don't just make promises. I keep my promises. I deliver on those promises. But Abraham, I am not blessing you just to fulfill this longing in you and Sarah's hearts. I am blessing you so that everyone in the world... For generations will be blessed through you and through your family this is what we believe and teach here at the Calvary church that we are to bless others with our lives as believers that our relationship with God is not about our relationship with God but it is about bearing the fruit of the spirit in our lives for the benefit of other people This is what we teach in almost every assimilation class because it is the heart of God. It was true for Abraham, and it is true for us in 2023. In fact, Ministry 201 is going on right now. And I guarantee you, Pastor Tom has said it at least once, that God has saved you and I to bless others. That fruit of the Spirit is not to draw attention to us. That people admire our joy and admire our love and admire our gentleness. But God's desire is that they experience the love of God through us. That they feel the joy of the Lord that is certainly our strength, but that it can become a strength to them. And this is where we get confused and the enemy wants us to stay confused. Because he knows he cannot keep God from blessing you. He doesn't have that authority. He's El Elyon, the Most High God. He's El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty. Satan cannot stop God from blessing you. But he can keep you from being a blessing to other people. He can keep you distracted enough. He can keep you busy enough. He can keep you offended enough that you don't give love. You don't give of your talent. You don't give of your time and your resources and your care for other people. Because that's the only way Satan can keep this promise to Abraham from being a reality in your personal relationship with God. Because we are always blessed. To be a blessing to other people. And if that's not how we pray, it's the way that we should pray. That God, you would bless me to the extent that it overflows into the lives of other people. Because that's why we are saved. That's why God died for us and brought us into his truth, out of darkness, into his marvelous light. Not that we just bask in that light, but that we share it with others and we bring them to the light. Amen. And so tonight for App Time, I want you to quickly consider, because I, apparently I owe you time that was taken from you. Not by me, but which name has meant the most to you thus far in this series? which name. If we could put the list up for them to help them remember. There's quite a few to pick from. There you go.
0: This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com